Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's up, everybody? I am Raymond Summerlin, your host for this edition of the Rotor World Football Podcast, the most important podcast in the universe, the entirety of the universe, according to our own Josh Norris. I'll be joined today, as I am every single Thursday, by Rich Rebar to discuss the Thursday night game, some DFS options, and most importantly, his weekly worksheet column. And then after that, Nick Benzio is going to stop by. He has the starts and sits for week eight of the fantasy football season. Week eight, halfway home. We're, we're, we're getting there. Before we get to that, however, I would like to remind you to rate and review the podcast wherever you find it. It helps other people find the show. It helps us in the rankings. And we very much appreciate those of you who have already done that. So thank you very much. With that out of the way, let's, let's do this thing. What's going on, Rich? Ray, what's happening? Like you said, man, week eight already. It's kind of hard to believe we've flown this far two months into the season. Hopefully, you know, a lot of people aren't looking at their fancy lineups like Justin Tucker was looking at that extra point attempt <laughs> last week. Uh, what an amazing gift. Uh, that's kind of how the like my my week was a little bit, you know, especially from uh, I, I, I talk with you all the time. I've been doing the betting column with you, and that's kind of how my week was from a betting stance. Uh, you know, a lot of games came down to one play uh, and they did not go in my direction. Andy Reid not kicking the field goal is <laughs> is one of the worst beats I've had in a while. Because it's not just that he didn't kick that field goal. It's that the Bengals needed to score, what was it? For me, it would have been 14 points. For other people, it was like 11 points against the Chiefs. That's all they needed to do. And they didn't. And, and the under hit. Un- inexplicably in that scenario, the under hit. So it was just, that was, that was, that's one of my worst beats in, in a while. And I know you had a few of them, right? Yeah. I mean, it was the, you know, I'd finally got on the over train in the NFL, you know, that last month, just all these overs were popping. We were talking about, they weren't setting the lines high enough. And I bet three overs in the column. I, I bet three, uh, four actually myself, no, uh, um, in actual bets, none of them hit the under hit all of them. <laughs> last week, actually unders were 10 and four last week so like it was just a big strike back week and they were all like an under that was one play away it was one yeah. of those like oh i just need like you know i had like carolina philadelphia and it's like oh if the eagles just win this game it's over the over pops or like the browns go to overtime it's like all right someone wins with a touchdown the over pops they all they all were like that you know that's like the gamblers gambler's fallacy though that's how they strike back we had we had a good run for a few weeks and they just come back and rip your heart out 
that Rams 49ers game. <laughs> that was Well that yeah. That was essentially the the same as thing as the Chiefs uh Bengals game where just like yeah. the the Chiefs did their part, the Rams did their part, just scored two touchdowns. The opponent scores two <laughs> touchdowns, those hit and they were just such a dredge uh that nothing happened. Well, I think a game we're definitely not going to be looking at the over in is the Thursday night game, <laughs> which is the Dolphins at the Texans as a 44 point total. The Texans are seven and a half point home favorites. And one of the reasons I'm not that interested in the over is because you really have to be concerned about Deshaun Watson's fantasy outlook right now. He has just 49 attempts total in the last two games, both of those easy wins. And then, you know, they're big home favorites here. So that's once again going to be a concern. The Dolphins have faced just 30, 31, and 22 attempts over their last three games. Watson, you know, because he's hurt, he's not running. He has just 15 total rushing yards the last two weeks. I would imagine the Texans are going to try to hide him if possible in this game. So like, and by the way, it might be possible in this game that they're able to hide him. So I look <laughs> at all that and it's, it's tough to trust Deshaun Watson this week, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, think about this. This guy couldn't get on an airplane, but he's yeah. allowed to play NFL football. <laughs> That's absurd. Like I'm, I don't, I'm the, the audacity of like that comment when it came out on Sunday that he had to take a bus to play NFL football, but was allowed to play NFL football to start with, uh, is really mind-boggling to me. Just that whole dynamic. But you hit upon it. He's not using his legs. They're really kind of trying to like nurse him through this injury. They're not really asking him to do a whole lot. He's not really taking a lot of deep shots downfield. I think that probably continues here because, like you said, they might be able to run the ball a little bit. I mean, Miami's 28th in rushing points allowed to running backs. They're 29th in receiving points allowed to running backs. So now we've got Lamar Miller coming off of you know a full workload. And it's really crazy. When I set initial ranks and I saw where I had to put Lamar Miller, and I was like, oh, it's going to be one of these weeks. <laughs> so here we go, man. We've been in this spot before. I'm really excited about the 79 total yards we're about to get from Lamar Miller on Thursday night. <laughs> but he looks like a good spot. I mean, this is as good as yeah. as any. He's at home, big favorite, opponents all lined up, uh, like you said. But, uh, yeah, but from, like, a betting stance, I mean, I don't know what you do at this game because Houston, first of all, probably shouldn't be giving 7.5 to a lot of teams. That's uh, a fact. They're, that is a fact. They're, they're a team that they've covered just twice uh, all season. Um, and then if you look at the totals of the Houston's games, you said they're on this four-game win streak, but look at the past three, the total points of those games, 35 total points, 33 total points, 27 last week. I mean, it's hard to feel real good about 45 popping. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on both of those. I don't think that I will bet this because I just – I this game, I'm just not that yeah. interested in having money on it. But seven and a half <laughs> points is too much. It's just – that's it. It's just too much. And I will say on Houston, you know, to just go back to them for a second, they, I am a little bit interested in Will Fuller. Lamar Miller, sure, that's, that's, that's the guy here. I'm a little bit interested in Will Fuller because Kiki Cutie is out. And if you go back and look at what Fuller was able to do the first couple games, obviously with a healthy Watson. So we have to put, take that into account. But his target share those first couple games was impressive. Watson did target him down the field a couple times. And in fact, he, he, had the most targets on the team, I believe, against Jacksonville. That's off the top of my head. So there there might be something there with Fuller. On the other side of this game with, with the Dolphins, I, I still don't think the Texans' fast defense is very good. They've had a stunningly easy schedule, if you go and look at it from a passing perspective. Like the last two games they've faced now, Josh Allen and Nathan Peterman and Blake Bortles and Cody Kessler. Those have been the four quarterbacks they faced in two games. So, like, we're, we're looking at a situation here where they have been, really been on the good side of the schedule, but now they get Brock Osweiler. So you're not scared of that either. So it's it's one of those situations, if 
you're on a Thursday night slate, only Thursday night, you're only playing this game. I think Brock Osweiler is interesting because he's been playing okay. And I don't think the Texans secondary, the Texans fast defense is very good. But other than that, I mean, what are, what are we looking at here? No, it's bad. And they, they lost Kenny Stills. They lost yep. Albert Wilson. So, I mean, they're gonna, he's going to be on a short week on the road. They're going to be throwing to Devontae Parker, Jakeem Grant, and, you know, Danny Amendola. I guess Amendola is fine if you need, like, a floor PPR guy. Like, he's he's okay. Uh, if you're in that, if you're in that kind of trouble, it's like a buy week replacement. I will say about Amendola, he's seen 22 and a half percent of Brock's attempts yeah. since yeah, 18 targets the past two weeks for him. He has been a wide, he was wide receiver 31, a wide receiver 10 last week. Of course he got in the end zone, but yeah, I think he's like a fine wide receiver three PPR floor guy. Drake's kind of interesting just yeah. for like what Drake is uh, just based on, I think he's going to play some more receiver. He just keeps getting out touched in the rushing game by Frank Gore, which is really frustrating because Drake has been good and his own merit. And like the dolphins really like, they're not a kind of team that should be just giving Frank Gore the amount of touches he's getting, but it, they, they're happening. <laughs> um, you know, he's out carried Frank Gore or Frank Gore's out carried him. I think five games in a row now, yep. uh, but he's, he's at 18.2% of the team targets. He's got 8.3 passing targets over the past three weeks. Drake does. Uh, like I said, they're they're down receivers. I think it could be a high target game for him to where if you're in PPR, he gets a little boost. Um, and he has like a, the big play potential too. So, I mean, he's kind of interesting. Like I said, I wish he had a higher, like just pure ceiling from like a touch and like fantasy point stance. But uh, they are dead set on getting Frank Gore involved here. Adam Gaze, man. <laughs> what do you... And this, what's what's terrible about this is this is exactly what we were worried about as soon as as soon as Frank Gore signed. Like, this is the exact thing we said. Oh, he's going to yeah, do this, isn't he? He's running back Shang Tsung, man. Running back Shang Tsung. He just swallows souls. And then and then he did. All right, let's move on to some better plays here. And we're going to talk about, as we do every week, some DFS options. We found both of these plays we're going to talk about using the DFS toolkit over at rotoworld.com. If you've not gotten to it yet, you should. It gives projections for DraftKings. FanDuel, and Yahoo, including point-per-dollar values. And you can customize those projections based on what you find important. It has sliders on there. How, how much do you want to weight each of these things? So that's interesting. You go play with that. I've used the lineup optimizer all season. I really like that tool, so you can go and check that out. And two players who are going to end up in a lot of optimized lineups this week are Chris Carson, who is $4,300 over at DraftKings, and Tyler Boyd, who is $6,800 at FanDuel. And what I what I find interesting about these both of these players is they're both kind of buy low on recency bias kind of situations, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially Carson had a week off too. Yeah. But uh, his last game, you know, we were we were on Chris Carson. We thought he was going to have a big week in that London game against the Raiders. And he started, he started off well, and he actually had a touchdown called back by a penalty in that game. Uh, then they kind of cruised out to a big lead and like, he really didn't get a chance to be like that bell, how bell cow, just like close out the game, uh, type of back, but he was still solid in that game. Uh, he still led the Seattle backfield and touches, uh, in that game with 14. Uh, he's got a Detroit team, uh, that is just, just bad. They did trade for, you know, Damon Harrison, which will probably make a difference long-term. I don't know how short-term it will this week, how much he's going to be immediately make an impact, but they're 27th in points allowed per game to opposing backfields. They're allowing over six yards per carry to running backs, which is just unreal. Uh, so Carson's got a real chance to bounce back. I mean, I'm not really worried about either guy in the split there. Um, you know, all you're worried about is just like, maybe you wish you would like a little more passing volume from Chris Carson, but yeah, he's definitely underpriced in his touchdown potential. Yeah. And I mean, the Seahawks, 
are a team that wants to run the football and the Lions are a team that doesn't really face a lot of passing attempts at least. I and aren't really a a high pace team. So you're not you're not going to expect them to get blown out in Detroit. So I, I think there are a lot of things pointing to Carson. And I I feel very similarly to Boyd as I do to Carson, where I think people are underestimating the opportunity upside that both of these players have because of what just happened recently. And the entire passing attack struggled against Kansas City, but that's not a reason you sell out on Boyd. I mean, Kansas City has been a good matchup because they faced a lot of attempts, not because they have been bad. There's a the complete opposite situation here. Tampa Bay is just bad, especially against slot receivers. Before the Chiefs game, Boyd had seen at least seven targets in his previous five games, including nine and in three of those games. If he gets that type of volume again in this situation, I mean, you're all back on him. And by the way, I feel that way about the entire Bengals passing attack. I'm going to be heavy on the entire Bengals passing attack because I'm I'm hoping to play off of what we saw last Sunday night. Yeah, and we've talked about the Chiefs before, and they've actually a lot of people might not believe it. the Chiefs have only allowed one wide receiver to score since week two. Yep. Uh, you know, they're they've been better than people than people believe. It's just like you said, they face so much volume that eventually that volume catches up. But they've been pretty decent defensively, you know, of late. They played in a couple big shootouts. Uh, but to receiver play, they've been actually all right. Probably more than more so than people believe, you know, just on the surface stats. Uh, but the Bucks have not. The Bucks have continuously delivered for us, and they just lost Quan Alexander for the year as well. Another, you know, defensive starter. Uh, you think about it. Last week, we were in blind on the Browns, who were starting a rookie quarterback, a yeah. rookie running back, a rookie left tackle. Two rookie. We were in. All those guys hit. All the yeah. guys hit for the, against the Bucks. Well, uh, it except, took them a half to get going. Except who Callaway, because Callaway. Oh well, yeah, yeah. But all the guys we were in on, like high for fantasy, Baker, Chubb, Landry, yeah. and Joku, all those guys popped for us. All the, all the, all the steals that we talked about for DFS values. Um, and we're in a spot now where you know we've, we're getting a Bengals team. You know, like you said, recency bias. They were in prime time. They they were just duds, and people wanted a piece of that. People wanted to play Dalton. Um, if people drop Dalton because they were upset, I mean, it's a good week to go back to him. He's at home uh, against this Bucks defense, and you bring up Boyd specifically. They've been really giving to lead wideouts, but they've also allowed top 15 scoring games to some secondary guys such as Taylor Gabriel and Ted Ginn so far on the season. Boyd, that was the first game he was under 20% of the team targets since week three. So I, I expect him to just go bounce back. I expect, like you said, a, a bounce back spot for the Bengals in general offensively, you know, against a Bucks team that has not let us down defensively. Yeah. And let's long may that continue, that they continue <laughs> to give up a lot of fantasy points. All right, let's 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 move on to the worksheet. I say it every week. I'm going to keep saying it until until this podcast's last, last breath. I will say this. You need to read the worksheet. Uh, it, we're going to go over a few players here, but there's information about basically every relevant fantasy player in there. So, so go and make sure you read it. It'll make you a smarter, better player. And let's get started with Todd Gurley, who I, I'm not, I don't even have a question to ask here. Like he's pretty good at fantasy football, right? Yeah, Todd Gurley is very good at fantasy football. Um, and you look at all the production the Rams have had offensively uh, has obviously led to Todd Gurley just being in a dream fantasy spot. You know, he's got 14 touches, touchdowns now. That's tied for the most ever through the opening seven games of a season. It's only only three times it's been done, and the other two times are about the same player. It's actually Priest Holmes. Priest twice. Holmes, baby, the priest. Yeah, 2002-2004, he did it bo- both of those times. So Gurley's at 14 now. He leads the league and runs a five or more yards with 59. He leads the league and runs a 10 or more yards with 19. He leads the league and runs for first downs. He leads the league in percentage of runs that have gained positive yardage with 88.2%. 
He leads the league in opportunities inside of the red zone with 56. He leads the league in opportunities inside of the 10-yard line with 30, inside of the five-yard line with 13. And when you talk about him getting involved in the passing game, where he's getting involved in the passing game is in the red zone. 37% of his targets this season have come inside the red zone. That's the highest rate for any player in the league. Uh, so if you want to know how Todd Gurley is getting you know, them touchdowns and getting them fantasy points, it's because he's getting that elite usage in the money zone. Do you remember the golden days of Kansas City running backs with Priest Holmes? Oh, Larry. Larry. Yeah. Oh, man. That record, that's a record that I think will never, that, that's one NFL record I don't think we'll ever see broken, the 416 rushing attempts by Larry Johnson. I think that's one that's going to hold uh, to at least till I die. I don't think I'll it, see it. It was, how many did DeMarco get? DeMarco got close, didn't he? Ooh, that's a good question. I can't remember how many DeMarco had that year. Wasn't he? Yeah, maybe Jason Garrett could do it. I should, I should, (laughs) maybe I should should, should recoil on that. But 416 carries in an NFL season. Um, Who was their coach that year? Was that a Herm? That was a Herm year, right? Yeah, that, I think it was. DeMarco got 392. Ooh, he got close. Yeah, maybe I should. Yeah, maybe I should. He he tried to touch it, man. He tried to reach out and grab it, but. uh, but not quite there. I at this point, you know, back to Gurley. I don't know how you're making a DFS lineup that doesn't have Todd Gurley in it at this point. Just it's a free space. I know, like his his prices have become ridiculous. I get it. Put him in your lineup and and figure it out from there. There's enough value that on DFS that you can play a play one of the bottom tier defenses. Don't pay up for defense and pay up for Todd Gurley. Put him in your DFS lineup. All right, we're gonna move on to Tariq Cohen, who has certainly not been on Gurley's level as of late, because nobody has been, but he has been performing well. And most importantly, he's getting the opportunities, especially since that, you know, they had that kind of explosion against the Bucks, who we talked about earlier. So do you expect that to continue to expect him to continue to get these kind of opportunities? It's interesting. He's been a top six scorer now in PPR leagues uh, the past three games. And it also coincides with the three games the Bears have seen their offense explosion. They've scored a touchdown now in 39% of their drives the past three games. That's third in the NFL. Previously, they had scored a touchdown just four of 31 drives, which is 12.9%. That was 30th in the league. And in, over that span, we've seen a, a direct correlation. Court, Tariq Cohen has averaged 49.1% of the offensive snaps and 15.3 touches per game over that span, while Jordan Howard has seen his usage dip. He said he had... He was averaging 54% of the sna- or 69% of the snaps with prior and 21 touches per game. That's gone to 54% and 12.7. I know that they've played some game script induced games where Cohen might you you'd expect a guy like Cohen to be better, um, but he leads the NFL over his past three games in air yards, which is also suggesting they're not just bringing him in. He's not just capitalizing on dump offs. They're bringing him in to use him as a specific you know type of offensive weapon. Um, and the next closest running back to him is 60 yards below him. He has 21, 20.6% of the Chicago receiving yardage on the season now. That's the highest uh, team share for a running back in the entire NFL. Um, I don't expect them to be point chasing this week, but I think that he's carved himself into such a, a role in this offense um, that when he's this week against the Jets, I know they're the big home favorites, but the Jets are 18th the, uh, against running back receptions per game at 5.7 per game. I think that Cohen will still be a linchpin and getting them started with a lead and then letting, you know, a guy like Howard close the game out. Yeah. And I mean, we've seen now they've played six games, right? Because they've had their bye already. And we've seen with three of those games, he wasn't used, but then the last three he has been. So I, I'm kind of falling in that, that we're going to see this continue. And especially because of his usage, as, as you've mentioned it, but in the passing game, the way he's being used in the passing game. Yeah, I, I, I think that this is going to continue. I have some confidence here in Cohen. 
So we talked about Chris Carson earlier, and as we kind of, I kind of hinted at it, that this game could be a game in which we see a lot of rushing attempts. And the reason is because we have a, we have a game of kind of overrated fantasy quarterbacks in, in Russell Wilson and Matthew Stafford, but it really doesn't have anything to do with the quarterbacks themselves. Both of those quarterbacks are very, very good quarterbacks. They're just not getting the opportunities, right? Yeah, I mean, this game is like essentially like the Spider-Man meme of games. Like both these teams want to <laughs> do the exact same thing. Uh, they play slow and they want to run the football more more and more. Uh, the Lions over the past three games are averaging 56 offensive plays. That's 30 in the NFL after averaging 70. We've kind of seen how what a running game is now done and could impact Matthew Stafford. We've really never had to deal with this his entire career. He's attempted 30 or fewer passes now in three consecutive games for the first time in his career, ever. He's never, ever had a run like this. Um, they've shifted gears to kind of slow-paced running team, and that's kind of impacted you know Stafford. Stafford's been above QB 14 just once so far in the season. He does have multiple touchdowns in five straight games because he's kind of like Russell Wilson. He's playing well. It has nothing to do with it, how he's playing. Um, but the problem is is the Lions want to play like this slow, like and they tip their hand too, just like Seattle. You know, they drafted uh, a guard center in the first round. They drafted a running back at pick 43. They signed LeGarrette Blunt. Uh, you know, everything was was pointing uh, you know, that they wanted to run the football more, and now that they are, it's really took a drain on Matthew Stafford. And he's no longer um a guy you should be considering as like a locked in QB one coming into any week. Yeah, and I feel the same way about Russell Wilson. He, and if you look at Wilson, it's the same exact situation. He's had he has not thrown more than twenty six passes in a game since week two, and the Lions have faced the second fewest pass attempts per game in the league this season. Like it's this could be a this could be a a very low paced game that disappoints for sure. And I believe the total in this game is forty nine and a half points. I have no idea why that's true. Like I that is a, that's an absurd number to me. And I I as a hint as a preview <laughs> there's a chance that I that I might be taking I might be taking the under there. All right, let's finish up with Andrew Luck, who's on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. From <laughs> Russell Wilson and Matthew Stafford, you know he he didn't throw sixty times last week because they the Bills weren't able to do anything. He still put the ball in the end zone four times in that game. So with that kind of losing the volume, still being productive, I mean, how how do we view him in kind of the quarterback? hierarchy moving forward yeah you know and it's kind of been like a weird dynamic with Andrew Luck this year I think a lot of people were taking how the offense was the first couple weeks because the fantasy results weren't necessarily there necessarily there with Luck as like a negative on Andrew Luck himself but that just really isn't the case and we've seen that play out now throughout the season obviously his shoulder is fine if they're going to be putting the ball up in the air as much many times as they did they're not really protecting him uh the other good thing too is that you've seen a direct relation into how they've been able to protect Andrew Luck he's been sacked on just 3.1 percent of his dropback it's the lowest rate in his career our guy Evan Silva tweeted out a stat that he hasn't been sacked in 120 25 straight dropbacks. Uh, so they're getting the ball coming out of his hand is leading to a direct result of him not getting sacked and the offense able to provide more productive plays. He's thrown three or more passing touchdowns now in four straight games for the first time in his career. He's the second Colts passer to ever have such a streak. Obviously, Peyton Manning, the other who went eight games in 2004. He leads the league with 17 red zone passing touchdowns. This is a team I know they got Marlon Mack back and he, he was electric last week, but it's a team that's still going to be 
pass first in the red zone. We saw that again last week. He only threw for our 156 yards and threw four touchdowns. And he's been a top 10 scorer now in four straight games with three of those as a QB four or higher. So Andrew Luck is back. And this week he gets to go on the road to face a Raiders team. who has tipped their hand that they've quit. They've quit at football. Uh, they rank 27th <laughs> in passing points allowed per game. They're 32nd in the NFL in yards per attempt uh, allowed to opposing passers. So, I mean, Andrew Luck's going to keep this hot wave going and and be the quarterback that I think a lot of people thought he presented the value at at a, uh, his draft stock. I know you were one that were in on Andrew Luck. Yeah, I thought that everything was overblown. And uh, I don't get many things right, but I, I'll take the victory lap. I'll take the victory lap here. Um, yeah, his arm's fine. He's throwing a lot. I do... That Marlon Mack situation is interesting to me because I think people are overreacting to what happened in that game. I mean, this was the perfect script for him. If you go back the week before when they were chasing that game against the Jets, Naeem Hines still played more snaps than Marlon Mack. I think there's a situation here moving forward in which this team is still pass heavy because they're kind of forced to be just based on you know their defense and, and the type of games they're going to play. And I'm not sure that Marlon Mack is going to be the fantasy asset that some might hope after last week's game. So, but that obviously would be a great thing for Andrew Luck if we continue to see these passes. So yeah, I'm I'm 100% in on that. Thanks as always, Rich. Remember, you can follow Rich on Twitter, at Lord Reeves. You can find the worksheet, which you should find the worksheet, at rotorworld.com. And I will be back with Nick Minzio in just a second. Listen up, fantasy football fans. You need to try out Draft. It's weekly fantasy football, but with no salary caps. On Draft, you play in live snake drafts with other people, just like in your season-long league. It's a draft that lasts for just one week. There's no roster management. You set it and forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's absolutely it. Drafts start every couple minutes, so you can join one right now. And the best part? You're playing for cold, hard cash. Drafts start from just $1, so there's a draft out there for everyone. Come and join me on Draft today. You can download the app. Anytime, just search Draft in your app store and join a game in minutes, or you can play on Draft.com, whatever you like. For a limited time only, all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use our promo code ROTOWORLD. That's right, play a real money game for free just for using our promo code ROTOWORLD on your first deposit. Just search Draft in the app store or go to Draft.com to get started. And we're back with Nick Minzio, who writes the Stardom and Sidem column over at rotorworld.com, which you should definitely go and read. What's going on, man? What's up, man? About halfway through, aren't we? Yeah, week eight. That is halfway point of the fantasy football season. Uh, you shouldn't be playing in week 17. Early reminder, don't play in week 17. So yeah, so we're, we're about halfway there, man. It's uh, it's getting interesting. It's kind of flying by a little bit, but it's also feeling like a little bit of dragon right now. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> The first big bye week next week, we'll we'll have to see how we feel then. But let's get to it. Let's get to the start sits. And you are, I have to say, a braver man than I am. (laughs) You are much braver. I've kind of washed my hands of this Jacksonville receiver situation. But this week, you're going to take a shot. And you're going to take that shot on Dante Moncrief. Dude, let's just hope this goes better than the Corey Davis call last week. How about that? Oh, Corey Davis. Pour some out, man. Yeah, I, I was I wrote up two Titans last week, Lewis and Davis, and Lewis had his best game of the year, but Davis Davis definitely didn't definitely didn't do it for us. But I'm on Moncrief here. I like this spot for him. Um, obviously, a total loss season at the quarterback position. Like right now, it's totally dismal. Uh, Blake Bortles flirting with getting benched again. Cody Kessler getting some extra reps, but Moncrief over the last four weeks this leads the Jaguars with 33 targets, and D.D. Westbrook has 27 in that span. T.J. Yeldon has 25. Keelan Cole has 21. So Moncrief's 
up there as the number one receiver, um, has three games of 75 yards or more in his past four weeks. Also has a zero ball mixed in there against Dallas where he caught no, none of his three targets, um, two weeks back. Uh, so we're getting the, getting both worlds here. He can totally boom with a 109 yard day and a touchdown, um, a couple weeks back and also had that zero yard day. So you never know what you're going to get with this guy, but I like this spot for him against the Eagles. Um, Corey Davis, as we just mentioned, had his best game of the season against the Eagles back in week four, caught nine passes, 161 yards, a touchdown. We, we thought that was kind of like the tipping point for him for the jettison and jettison him into uh, some big roles the rest of the way, but it just hasn't happened. But last week, Devin Funches had 62 yards and touchdown against this Philadelphia defense. Jalen Mills is just playing really bad football right now. He's number four, number 104 cover corner out of 112 qualifiers at Pro Football Focus. Has given up the third most catches at the position for the second most yards. Um, Moncrief leads the Jaguars in air yards. So they're, they're really trying to get him the ball downfield. They're hitting on a few, but obviously Bortles is really inaccurate so i mean it's it's really boomer bust but i'm willing to take a shot take a shot in this spot i get it he's he's had 75 yards at least in three of the last four games he's being used like you said the matchup is good i get it but you are very brave that's all i'll that's all that's all i'll say about that however the next one completely in lockstep with you and that is philip Lindsay. so why do you like him yeah, I mean, Royce Freeman suffered a high ankle sprain last week against the Cardinals. Um, so Lindsey played a season high, 59.3% of the snaps. Um, over the last four weeks, Lindsey has outcarried Freeman 42 to 35 in that span. Also has outcarried him in the red zone 9 to 4 in that same same amount of time. Um, with Freeman doubtful, I just think Lindsey's going to get like the line share of work. I mean, I know Devontae Booker is going to get mixed in there for some stupid reason. I don't know why they like to play this guy, but they do. Um, but I like Lindsey to play over 50, 50%, 50% of the snaps. Good matchup. The Chiefs are dead last in run defense DVOA. Um, Lindsey had 79 yards and a touchdown against the same defense back in week four. Converted a one-yard touchdown at the goal line. Um, he has three scores on the year. I mean, they're not afraid to use this guy in the goal line, at the goal line, even though he's like, what, 5'9", 200 pounds, 190 pounds, soaking wet, something like that. But this guy just finds holes. He's really fast. I just love the way this guy plays. I think he's a top 15 play this week. I mean, he's he's blowout proof, I think. Um, he'll, he plays in the pass game. So I think he's a top 15 play. Yeah, that last point I'm not 100% sold on. I mean, I'm a little bit worried about Scripps still Freeman's out about what they do with Devontae Booker. if Scripps, But I mean, Lindsey had seven targets against the Rams. So we've already seen him yeah. kind of have that kind of role. So I'm, yeah, I'm with you 100% on this one. And I, I really love Lindsey this week. All right. Over to the dislikes, there was some hope that Duke Johnson would take on a bigger role with Carlos Hyde gone, but that just simply did not happen. And I mean, there, there's not much reason to like him this week or even rest of season, right? Yeah, I mean, against the, the worst defense in the league last week, he, I mean, Duke was announced as the starter to, for that game. Didn't actually start. I mean, how many times are we going to see this with the Browns? They announced someone's not going to start and then he starts and then someone's going to start, doesn't start. Um, played 51.5% of the snaps last week. That falls right in line with his previous two weeks of 51.3 and 47.3%. Handled five touches, turned them into 19 scoreless yards. Falls right in line with the season average of 5.4 touches. Uh, still has no touchdowns on the season. I mean, Coach Coach Hugh Jackson's going to keep blowing this smoke up our up our uh, rear ends, I'll say. Um, and is going to tell us that he's going to work more touches for Duke, but it's, it's just not going to happen. I mean... I'm not going to believe it until I see it. And 
Duke's just like flirting with these five to six touches, not scoring. Um, just not a good matchup either. The, the Steelers have allowed the fewest catches to running backs for the fewest yards. So not a good spot. I'm just I'm just waiting on Duke until I see it and then leaving him on the waiver wire, honestly. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I think that, you know, it made sense to pick him up and, and see what happened after they traded Hyde, but it's just, it's just not there. Finally, we're on Allen Robinson, who I have mixed thoughts on. We saw him struggle last week, but it really seemed to be based on the injury that he picked up. But we don't know how healthy he is now. We don't really know how, you know, how much they're going to have to throw this week. So what what are you expecting from them this week? And, and I guess kind of like how how worried about you are you about him moving forward? So, yeah, I agree with you. I'm a little flippy floppy on Robinson as well. I mean, he averaged 9.3 targets per game the first three weeks. I was heavily aided by a 14-target day against the Seahawks in week two. Um, but the three games since, he's averaging five targets in that span, eight total catches. Good news is he scored twice in that span, but last week was a total bottoming out. Um, bottoming out point against the Patriots called one pass for four scoreless yards, dropped a ball, had another errant pass, sail over his head in the end zone. So Mitchell Mitchell Trubisky's a big part of the problem. He's 26th in adjusted completion percentage at Pro Football Focus, um, really not hitting his targets. But the Jets, their pass events is kind of a mixed bag here. They're, they've allowed the most catches and sixth most fantasy points to receivers, but they're number eight in pass defense DVOA. So, I mean – you could go either way on Robinson here. I, I could see see playing him as wide receiver four, especially if you have a, some guys on by. But I'm just not in love with this spot with the Bears as touchdown home favorites. Um, they might take the air out of the ball in the second half, feed it to Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen. Um, Trey Burton's really playing well right now. Taylor Gabriel's there. Anthony Miller's healthy in the slot. But you can you can look at the Jets secondary. They have Tremaine Johnson out with a quad injury. Morris Claiborne didn't practice on Wednesday, I believe. Butcher Screen's still out with a concussion. So I mean, they're really banged up on the back end. I mean, you can you could go both ways here with Robinson. Yeah, I, I'm kind of where I am as well. I don't I don't know how healthy he is, and I don't know how many targets he's going to get moving forward. But I also look at the matchup and think, oh, I kind of like it. Right. So it's it's tricky. I'm with you. It's it's really tricky on Allen Robinson. Thanks as always, Nick. Remember, you can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Benzio. You can follow Rich at Lord Reeves. I am at RM Summerlin. Also, do not forget to rate and review the podcast wherever you find it. And we will be back to talk to you next week. longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well so set a limit when you gamble and stick to it want more helpful tips like this go to keepitfunohio.com for games quizzes and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.